1 Corinthians chapter number 13. I want to start reading with verse number one. And we're in week number three of a series called Corinthians. If you want to catch up to those, you can go to several different platforms, YouTube. You can go to our website. You can go to Facebook. And you can catch up on the messages. Uh, last week, I talked about sex. That was good, wasn't it? Okay, today's sex part two. I'm glad you joined us from all the locations. I'm always thrilled to uh, be able to open God's word and break bread, break bread, eternal bread, the bread of life with you. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse one. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. And it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes and these partial things will be useless, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now, we see things imperfectly. Like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then, I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is, set with me, love. And the greatest of these, set with me, is love. Father, we thank you for your word that gives life, that heals our disease, that gives us what we need for the daily journey. Pray your holy word will just resonate deeply in your Holy Spirit do a deep work inside of us. Transform us. We need it. In your name I pray and everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> this book that we've been diving into and looking at is about love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the famous of all chapters in this book. One of the famous chapters 
throughout the Bible that many people who have never even really been in church, we can still have heard phrases from this chapter. This chapter was not meant, though, to be for your wedding, though some of you may have used portions or all of it for your wedding. He was writing it to a dysfunction church that was disgruntled and having issues. And they were meant to love God and to love people, but they weren't doing that well because there were divisions, factions among them. They were fighting inside the church, inside their families, Christian against Christian. They were unfairly treating their workers and not giving them what they should be giving them for their efforts. They were suing one another. Suing that should have not been done in public, that should have been handled privately in the leadership of the church, they're taking it out among the world. He says, this should not be the case. They were arguing about food. Should it be eaten? Should it not be eaten? Was it offered to idols? Not offered to idols? And it was causing a lot of confusion. Uh, When it comes to communion, they would gather and have these big feasts. Not like we, we do sometimes with this little cup and bread. They were having large gatherings and bringing food, and then they would at some point break the bread and, and the body of Christ and drink of the cup, the blood of Jesus. But yet they were mistreating those who had far less. They were not getting the appropriate portions of food, and some people were leaving hungry. and Some people were getting drunk on the, on the wine that should have been used for a holy thing, was used for an unholy activity. Some of them were boasting in their spiritual giftedness and what they could do and not do and getting up and displaying that. And it was all about them instead of about pointing people to Jesus. And Paul continually reminds them of this throughout all of his writings, that the answer to all of our issues is Jesus, his spirit living in us, and his love flowing through us. And in chapter number 14 in verse number one, he puts it in one sentence as the ultimate goal, which is this, let love be your highest goal. So after chapter 13, he just says, let love be your highest goal. Matter of fact, he's saying, if that is the case, you're gonna be able to sell it. Come to your differences of opinion. If love is the highest goal, you're going to use your gifts with the right motivation. If love is the highest goal, you're not going to be suing your brother and sister. You're going to be handling it in the appropriate way that God would deem necessary. You're not going to withhold food to those that are hungry if you love in the right way. If that's your highest calling, it's going to be okay. I found out that over the years that a lot of people come to church and they have their certain things that they enjoy about church. Uh, Some people love the preaching of the word. And they're like, come on, bring on the preaching. Good old expository preaching. Could be topical preaching. It could be eschatology you're dealing with. Whatever it may be, just preach the word, brother. I like the preaching of the word. Some people love worship. And just come on, give me worship. And they can't wait for the next worship night, which we have coming up here in just a few weeks. And we're going to pack the house again. And we're going to go after Jesus. And it's going to be two hours of like, let's just... Let's just dance before the Lord. Let's shout into the Lord. Some of you are going to be wringing wet with sweat by the time it's over because you've been worshiping Jesus so passionately. For some people, it's the prayer meetings. 
Come on, I want to get there and pray. We got to pray. Let's pray. Let's, let's fall on our face, talk to God. Let's believe God for miracles. Let's just believe God to deliver people. Let's just pray. And we got one of those coming up Tuesday night, 7 o'clock here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God. For some people, it's about the small groups. I mean, if I can just get in a north group and have a small community of about, you know, five, six, seven other people, and we can share hearts, and we can study God's word together and pray together, and we can pray about our concerns and needs, and that's what I look for. And for some people, it's about serving others. If I can just go out in the community, and so Love OKC that's coming up next week, they look forward to an event like that where you serve and you give. In fact, just let you know that we're going to have that, and if you want to be a part of that, we're going to be doing thousands of people that we serve down at Crossroads, the old Crossroads Mall, and Actually, we still need, if you want to buy some boxes, for one box, $25, we can actually provide a family of four a week's worth of supply of foods. And so you might buy three, four, five, just simply mark that, let us know when you're giving. But whatever it is, Paul is actually laying out that some of you get so excited about those things, but you're missing out on the bigger thing. And that's that love is your highest goal. He says, you can talk about Jesus you can get in your small group about Jesus. You can study about Jesus. You can have a bunch of knowledge about Jesus. But does your life look like Jesus? Come on, at the end of the night, after you have worshiped Jesus and you're wringing wet of sweat and you have sung praises in the hymn, when you walk out of that place, is your life going to look more like Jesus? After you hear the preaching of the word and it's been proclaimed and we've looked into the scriptures and we have broke it down, when you leave and go out, is your life going to look more like Jesus? When you come out of that prayer meeting, you've prayed and laid hands on the sick. When you walk out, is your life going to look more like Jesus? When you gather in your small group and you share your heart and you talk about God's word and pray, when you walk out, is your life going to be more like Jesus? And for it to be more like Jesus, you're going to love like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul says this. He said, you should imitate me. Just as I imitate Christ. I, I like other translations better where it says, you should follow me as I follow Christ. Now, come on. Hold up, Paul. Which story of your life are you talking about? Because that BC story, before Christ story, was not one that we should want to follow. Oh, yeah, he was very educated in the Word of God. He knew the Hebrew Bible. He could quote it left and he could quote it frontwards and backwards. He was very knowledgeable. He had a zeal for the things of God. He was very religious but there was a problem. He was missing out on what it really under, meant to love God and to love people. He became a Christian killer. The first martyr in the Bible, Stephen. Guess who was the one leading the way with that charge? It was Paul. Paul was the one that was before called Saul. After his conversion, he changed it from Saul to Paul. But Paul was that man that hated. In fact, in chapter number nine of Acts, he is on the way with letters to arrest Christians and to imprison them, and probably some of them are gonna be killed. No, we don't wanna follow that, Paul. But on that road, there was a bright light that came down from heaven, brighter than the noonday sun, it says, and he fell from his rod, and he was blinded for three days. Ananias comes and lays hands on him. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. His life is transformed. He sees again, and from then on, he saw through a different lens, and that was through the lens of Jesus Christ. And his life was transformed. Have you encountered Jesus that way? Have you really? Over the next little bit, I'm going to give you glimpses of what happened to Paul in chapter number 8, 
first, and then we're going to look at chapters number 9 and 10, and then we're going to look at chapter number 11. What Paul learned from Jesus about what it means to love other people. So first off is this. Paul learned, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. In other words, Paul is saying you can be right and not be right. Anybody ever been there? Oh, man, I'm, I'm the classic example of this. I love being right. And I feel like I can be right a lot of times. And I'll lay it out there, and I'm, I'm right. Here it is, here it is. Come on, I got all the information. You cannot even argue it. It is there. But in that proving of my point, I cannot be right. Oh, I can be so right that I am so wrong. I can be so yes that really, no, I didn't, I didn't do what I should be doing in the moment. And Paul is talking about this in chapter number eight because it is so fitting because they had their theology just right. These foods offered into idols were no threat to the Christians because those idols didn't mean anything because it's just wood and it's just stone. And so what's the big deal? We're eating meat that's offered unto idols, but those idols are useless and they have no power. Those demons have no authority over our bodies. But Paul says, no, you are right, but you are wrong. In your rightness, you need to stop and listen to the other side and realize that, you know what, huh, I gotta stop and be careful here before I just make a decision in my rightness and be really wrong. Mm. Chapter eight, verse one, he says, now regarding your question about food that has been offered to idols, yes, we know that, he's quoting right here, a past letter, we are all have knowledge about this issue. But while knowledge makes us feel important, it is love that strengthens the church. I love other translations a little bit better on this because other translations says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. I want you to say that with me, okay? Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. One more time, say it, everybody, join me, here we go. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. In other words, knowledge raises your level of pride like I know the right way and the right answer, but he said this is not what you need when it comes to showing love and concern for others. It is walking in humility. I, I, I had this happen to me recently. And I, 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 I can do this. I called somebody up, and they're going some issues, and they called me, and I, get, and I listen to the, what's going on in their life, and you know what? I begin to spill out the answer to their problems. And the answer to the problem is like, if you do this, 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 everything's gonna work out. And after I begin to talk a little bit, I kind of was really silent on the other end, and finally I just hear them say, Pastor, would you just pray for me? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, that's what I should be doing. I should be just loving on them right now instead of giving them all of my knowledge. I should be showing them how much I care for them right now instead of just spilling out all the answers to their life problems. And I'm making it sound all simple and not nice and neat and little package, but no, no. What I needed to do is love on them. Verse two, he says this. Anyone who claims to know all the answers doesn't really know much. But the person who loves God is the one who God recognizes. How many want to be recognized by God? And we were at a youth camp just recently with our students, and we had like tons of students there, probably more than anybody else. And we had like a thousand, you know, kids there at the camp. And we get, and the speaker gets up, and he's renowned around the Christian circles nationally. He speaks all these large conferences, and he gets up and he's speaking. And he starts talking a little bit, and then he recognizes our student pastor, Christian Velez, and he points him out and tells him how much he appreciates him. And all of our students are looking over at Christian, like, wow, 
You know him? You, you, you can sense the awe in them, like, you know him? And that was cool that Christian knows the speaker. But you know what is really cool? When God knows you. When God calls you by name. When God recognizes you. Oh, in John chapter 35, Jesus says, by this all men will know my, you're my disciples by your love one for another. Come on, when we love others, God is gonna say, that's how people know who I am, by you loving other people, and it's how I know you, by your love one for another. And so Paul is saying, do you really care enough for others to give up the things that matters most to you? Stop and think about that for a moment, because that's what Paul's talking about here. Paul and the other Corinthians loved their meat. And Paul's saying, would you give up meat? Would you give up your meat for somebody who is struggling with meat that's offered unto idols? And then Paul says this. He says, so if what I eat causes another believer to sin, then I will never eat meat again as long as I live. For I don't want to cause another believer to stumble. Hold up, Paul. You're going a little far, Paul. This is a little radical, Paul. This is a little out there, Paul. And I don't know about you, but if, if you, Brad, if you were having struggles with me eating meat, I don't know if I could give up meat for you. I love you, but I love my steak. Cooked medium well. But Paul's saying, no, 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 if you really believe this thing, if you really believe the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will stop and evaluate some of the things you do to make sure that it's not offending somebody else and keeping them from the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh. And this rips at me. He's saying, I'm gonna go vegan before you miss out on heaven. We're recently in the gym, me and Carlos and Kasia, one of our staff who works out sometimes with us, and at the end we pray, and sometimes there are other people who will join us for prayer in the gym, gold gym, we're just praying. And as we begin to pray, I asked what, you know, what do we want to pray about? And it was right when the Afghanistan thing was happening, and Kasia just began to, just her eyes just began to swell up, and crocodile tears began to flow down her face. And she said, let's pray for Afghanistan. And I said, I see the anointing on you, girl. You pray, you pray, you lead the way here. And she began to pray this the most anointed prayer, not only for our soldiers, she began to pray for Americans there, she began to pray for Afghanistan, she began to pray for Christian Afghanistans that possibly could be in danger and tortured and killed, and she began to pray for others there, and she began to pray that prayer, and I could feel the passion, I could feel the concern. It was more the biblical knowledge. There was a depth of concern for a world that needs Jesus. In 1 Corinthians, he says, if I have the gift of knowledge, or know all of God's secret plans, and I have the faith to move mountains, but if I do not have love, I amount to nothing. In other words, what really stirs you when you hear of a mom in Ethiopia who cannot provide for her kids, and she's starving to death, but she's given the last bit of food to her kids who are starving to death, does that not move you? When you hear of a young child that has been sold into sex slavery in Thailand, does that not move you? When you hear of Christians being imprisoned or tortured in China, does that not move you? 
Well, how about your neighbor that gets in his boat each week and goes off the lake, and man, he is far from God, or she is far from God, and they need Jesus. Does that not move you? And that's what Paul is saying here. What really moves you and what really concerns you? And then chapter number 9 and 10. Chapter 9 and 10, he dives into this thought. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And see, Paul's speaking to this from a personal experience because he's been wronged by the Corinthian church. He's the one that planted this church. And he spent almost two years there. Started from scratch, worked with his hands, prayed in the people, witnessed the people, saw the people come to Christ. And you know what they're doing now? They've grown to this point. They're looking at Paul and saying, oh, Paul's not a real apostle. And they're literally saying that. You go, go read Corinthians. They're saying, you're not a real apostle. And Paul's like, what? I started this church. Then, then they start saying, well, we really like Apollos' preaching better than Paul. Because Paul is kind of boring. You know, like he preaches message and people fall out dead off of two-story windows and die in the street. You know, Paul, Paul's preaching is boring. Apollos, though, he can move the crowd. He can get people excited. People respond and bunches of people get saved and filled with the Spirit and lives begin to change. And Paul points out that I worked among you and never got a penny. You never offered anything. You, you never did what you should have been doing. But Paul points out here, he says, I'm not going to use that against you. I'm still going to treat you the way I would want to be treated. And I'm going to forgive you. And then he talks about the law of Christ. He says in verse number 21 of chapter 9, but I do not ignore the law of God. No, I don't. In other words, the Corinthians are saying the law is done away with. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Paul, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to do away with the law. And then he says these words, I obey the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Matthew chapter 7, in verse number 12, Jesus says these words. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and prophets. Two different times Jesus says that. One is here. He says, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. That everything hinges on that. The other time when he was coming, he was asked, like, what's the greatest command? And he, we, they were talking about the 613 commands from the Old Testament. And Jesus says it boils down to two of them. Number one is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And, and then the second is likened to it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all of the law hinges, rests on those two commands. Do that. Do that. And Paul gives some practical ways here in which we can do that. One is through common ground. In other words, he's saying when you get with other people, find common ground. Now, hear, hear me in this. Oftentimes, we find common grounds of differences that we fight about. Or we come together with those that we have common grounds of likeness and we start talking politically, we start talking sports, and we talk all these things, and we want to just share in. No, I'm talking about coming to common ground to talk about what life is really giving to people and pointing them to Jesus Christ. Pointing people to Jesus. He says this, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Another practical way that Paul does this is by being concerned for others. A deep concern. 
He says this in chapter 10. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. He's saying that love is always thinking about others. Man, there's times that I'm not loving other people well then. Because I'm thinking about me. Anybody with me? Come on, I was with Friday, just a lady in our church that was at the very first service that we had in Charles Haskell 19 years ago, Pat Casey. She has served faithfully over the years. A year into after she had started attending North, her husband died, Gene. I was there when he died. I did his funeral. She's been with us for 19 years, and she is laying in a bed right now under hospice care. And she could step into eternity any moment. And she'd been sleeping most of the day. I had a good 30 minutes of being able to talk to her. But as I finished talking to her, and I realized she's going back to sleep. She's on so much morphine now. And I'm sitting over there. I I hear somebody say, hey, could you get pastor of water? Hey, she begins to ask questions about me. She is laying there in bed facing eternity, and she's concerned about me. Sometimes I get a little sniffle, and I'm concerned only about me. And some of you are the same way too. And Paul's saying, you know, it's really about learning to be concerned for other people and love them the way that we should be loving them. And then also he deals with this other practical way is forgiving the offense. If you really want to just do unto others as you would have them do it, you will forgive the offense. Paul's reaction to rejection is so important here. Chapter 13 of verse four, he says, love is patient and kind Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Let me read that again. It keeps no record of being wrong. Read it with me, okay? It keeps no record of being wronged. You know what Paul's saying? He's saying don't miss out on opportunities ahead of you because you're hanging on to offenses behind you. Do you get that? We can't move forward in Christ if we're hanging on to something in the past. He's saying to them, don't let your past or present rejection keep you from the relationships God has for you. He's saying past rejection that you're hanging on to is running your present relationships. Move on. Move on and do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus on the cross is hanging between heaven and earth. He has been beat, he has been abused, he has been taken through the ringer. Yet he says to his father, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are. You know what he's saying? He's saying in light of eternity, they do not realize what they're doing. And a lot of people that bring hurt and pain in your life, in light of eternity, they, will not, they don't understand. What I mean by that is someday they're gonna wake up into the light of eternity and they're gonna realize, oh no, I should not have done what I did. And so what you as followers of Jesus that are living in the kingdom now, we should be leading the way and doing unto others as we would have them do unto us. Which brings me to the last thought. Chapter number 11. He says, be ready to serve, not to be served. Be ready to serve, not to be served. The Corinthian church was so selfish. So selfish. And I can relate because I can be so selfish. You you know, one of the things I'm selfish with is my food. There are certain little foods that I love that I don't want anyone else to, you know, if it's getting down to the bottom of whatever something, there's sometimes that, I'm gonna just confess to you right now, I will hide those things so Shannon can't get to them. (laughs) 
Now, before you think that Shannon's such a saint, come on, she'll do the same thing. <laughs> this past week, we had a, a group of preschool leaders over at our house, and so it was the, kind of the captain leaders, and they were over, we had food, a bunch of food was brought in, but a couple of the leaders from Cameroon, a couple of young ladies, uh, brought this dish of food that's kind of their home cooking from back in Cameroon. I love, I love eating uh, diverse groups of foods. And, and so they bring in this food, and it was just this meat with these sauces and stuff, and then it's brought in, and they said, Pastor, we brought this, you know, we, you know, and I'm like, oh, great. I didn't want anyone else to have it. After I took one bite, I'm like, I don't want anyone else to have it. But I did it, I just should, I let it out there, but they were early. I kept eating from it. We got down to the last little bit. I'm like, oh, I need to let somebody else. And I did. I was good enough to let a few other people get a bite. And then there was down just a little bit, and I kind of looked around and said, does anybody want any of this? I don't say it loud enough so people can really hear. And then I kind of just walked off, and I, I eat the rest of it. Because that's me. I can be selfish. But we had food for everybody else. So I wasn't worried about them starving to death. But in Corinth... The church, you know what was happening? They would have these love feasts where they come in and celebrate the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus and they would break bread and cup. They'd have these big meals. But oftentimes those that had more would keep from those who had less and those who didn't have anything would show up and they wouldn't get anything to eat. And Paul's saying, this is wrong. What you do is wrong. To whom God has given much, you're responsible for more. He said, this is your responsibility. And he says it this way in chapter 11, 33. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. Wait on each other. You know what he's saying here? He's saying it's kind of like a waiter or a waitress. Don't worry about being served. Serve others. He's saying Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Serve others. You see, love will deny itself and look out for the well-being of others. In verse 23, he says it this way. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself on the night when he was betrayed. Hold on. This doesn't make sense. Paul is talking about all these issues that's going on in the church, and then he stops for this time of communion. There is a purpose and reason why Paul does this. He's calling back to the remembrance, the life of Christ. And he's calling back to what Jesus did on that night that he was betrayed. Because on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he put a towel around himself. This would be equivalent to what I'm speaking of. Put an ape around to serve others instead of to be served. And Jesus grabbed the towel. On the night he's betrayed, this is key. So Paul understands the offense. He understands what's going on. But even in the middle of that, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And one of the first ones he walked over to was Peter. And he knelt before Peter to wash his feet. And Peter said, oh, no, Lord, you cannot do that. Why was Peter saying that? Because for somebody to do that was, that was only meant for the lowest 
on the totem pole, the one on the very bottom of the pay scale, the one that was probably the slave. They walked around with sandals everywhere. Their feet were continually nasty, dirty, beat up old feet, stinky feet. If anything stunk, it was their feet. And Jesus is getting down to wash his feet and he says, no. Jesus says, then you can have no part of me. And Peter says, well then, wash my whole body, not just my feet. Peter gets it. And Jesus does just that. He cleans his feet. And then he moves on and does every single one of them that way. On the night he is betrayed. But just my, he's about to go be beaten, beard plucked out, spit upon, beat with a whip 39 times, the cat of nine tails. crown of thorns on his head nails driven into his hands and feet a sword into his side mocked and made fun of and a man who could call just one breath 12 legion angels to come and wipe this all and end it all but yet he served others served What what do you do what do I do Do I love the way I should be loving? Oftentimes not. If you grab your communion element, it's in front of you or under your seat at all locations. Just take a moment to prepare this. I want you to stand with me. So then Paul says that this bread is the body of Christ. And this cup is the cup, the blood of Christ. Do this in remembrance of him, his broken body. Why he's speaking to Jesus came to serve, not to be served. And he doesn't stop there, though. Before taking of the bread and before taking the cup, Jesus says these words. Excuse me, Paul says these words. He says, verse number 27. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Hold there for just a moment. Because some of you are eating and drinking unworthy. Some of you are not honoring the body of Christ. Some of the physical body of Christ, but also the body of believers because we're the body of Christ. How were they not doing that? Because there were divisions among themselves. There was not forgiveness. They were suing each other. There was sexual immorality. And when he's speaking this, he's not speaking to the lost people out there. He's speaking to ch- people in the church. People, you and me, this is what this message is for. Because you see, the people that aren't followers of Christ already stand condemned. 
He says judgment begins in the house of God. This is about the house of God and how we should be responding in love to people. And he's saying, you got to stop and examine. So right now what I want us to do is examine our hearts and repent and ask God about what we should be doing to love one another the way Christ did. Are we doing our part? Then don't point fingers at other people. You, you, me. And I'm going to pray, and then you're going to take this on your own time. During the worship, I just want you to stop and reflect, repent, let God. We're going to have our prayer team up. You can come up for prayer if you want, but receive it. If it's immediately, it's fine. If you want to wait, you know, five minutes, if you want to wait toward the end, you can take it at any time you want. But let's just stop and reflect and repent and let God do his work in us. Father, I pray now your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Come, convict. Convict means to convince us. And point us back to you. Point us back to you. May we love the way we should love. May we care for the way we should care. Oh, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Show me my heart, God. Show me my heart. Speak to me right now. I pray this in your name. The name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord.